uh, to come through them, Father God. And we, Lord, we just ask that you continue to guide their steps. That, Lord, that you guide each and every one of their steps, Father. Let every single step honor and praise you, Father God. God, we just we break off any distractions in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, that as they're there, Father, that they are focused, that your grace is upon them, Father God, that you are blessing them, Father, that you are strengthening them, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that will quicken and awaken their mortal bodies. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what their sleep is like, Father, because they are trusting in you. They are leaning on you, Father God. So, Lord, we just, we thank you for such a mighty, mighty harvest, Father. We thank you, Lord, that they are just being such an amazing blessing to each and every person in the Dominican, that the Dominican Republic shall be saved, shall be shaken by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, hallelujah, guys. If you could just take a minute and uh, greet one another, hug, shake a few hands, hug a few necks, as uh, Pastor Jack would always say. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning, Life Family Church. My name is Chrissy. I am a children's minister here along with my husband, Andrew. Um, and I wanted to welcome each and every one of you. Thank you guys for coming today. Um, it's amazing that we get to be here even though the missionaries are out on the mission field right now. I'm so glad to be here with each and every one of you praising and worshiping the Lord. And we get to receive from, from heaven in a different way than the missionaries are doing it, but I'm so glad that we have Dr. Um, Richard Moore with us today. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an amazing week. Um, don't forget to li continue to lift them up in prayer this week, um, and then we'll have an amazing service next Sunday as well. Um, so if you are new to the church, if today's your first time, you would have received a welcome packet, and then on the inside we have a newcomer's card. If you could please fill that out, return it to the Source Center. We actually have a gift for you there. We love to connect with you, and we want to say welcome. Um, also, don't forget Tuesday, we have um, our special missions prayer. So we typically will do connect groups, and then we'll have our first Tuesday prayer, but we are going to specifically drive it home for the missionaries. So we're going to pray for, you know, lots of souls and good weather and all that kind of stuff. Good connecting flights when they um, save travels home. Um, they'll be returning next Sunday. So um, we will see them the following Sunday after that. Um, and then don't forget, we don't have... Uh, a night service tonight as well as next Sunday. Um, we typically always do, but um, just for the sake of everything going on, we thought you guys would enjoy a family night off. <laughs> um, and then also in September in um, Texas, we are doing a men's trip. Um, we are pairing up with people that we normally pair up on the mission field, um, Pastor Todd DeLay's church, um, people in Seminole and 
the men are going out in September. So we do have signups in the Source Center if you have not signed up yet. Um, I'm sure that's going to be an amazing time in Texas with different ministers and pastors and stuff like that. Um, also, check out, we have a new men's section in the Source Center. Um, specifically, Mr. Mel has brought in some new books, um, Pastor Marie as well. So um, considering we just had Father's Day recently, go ahead and check it out in there. We've got a few new things. And then don't forget to check your email connections. Um, that is our church bulletin as well as our Facebook. Especially now we get a lot, we get to see what all the missionaries are doing. They're hashtagging Wavewalker Tour 2019. So we get to see all of that on Instagram and Facebook. And then also we have a special video from our pastors. Um, they did it yesterday for us. So if you don't know who our pastors are, now you will. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Dr. Jack, Pastor Marie. Listen, we are in Miami right now, and we are departing. So it's Saturday, but by the time you see this, it'll be Sunday morning. So we want to greet everybody. If there's any visitors, we want to greet you there. We're going to enjoy Dr. Richard and Rhonda Moore. They'll be there this morning, and then they'll be there next Sunday. So keep us in your prayers if you guys would. Also, check Facebook on a regular basis. You'll see updates and pictures. We love you. God bless you, and we'll see you later. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the children's ministers here. And yes, that was my wife up here. And yes, I did marry up. So that's a, that is a good thing. Hallelujah. He said, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. And I found a great thing. Praise Jesus. Honestly, I could probably end the offering message right there just with that one. But, <laughs> but I'll proceed. So uh, so today we're going to take up our, our uh, normal tithes and offering, and um, so we're going to be, I'm going to be teaching out of Matthew 25, 14 through 30, the parable of the talents, and um, so today I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to briefly go over it, and I'll do the part two next week, because there's so much in this passage, so if we could just turn there, I'll give you guys a minute to turn there, God is so good, Amen. It's such an honor to be able to be here today, to be able to um, be able to bring forth the offering message. Just a blessing to be able to be here because our pastors are probably the most giving pastors I've ever met in my life. So when they asked me to do the offering, I was just elated to be able to do so because I know the, the place I'm standing in right now for them. And it's just an honor to be able to do that, to be trusted for this. Um, if you're there, say yay. Yay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, uh, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. I apologize. So beginning in verse 14, says, Again, heaven's kingdom's kingdom realm is like the wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over to them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another, a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the third, a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money, and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. 
But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. The one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came in and brought 10,000, saying, See, I have doubled your money. Uh, commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you've been faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, Come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been trusted with 2,000 gold coins uh, in, came in and said, See, my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Commanding the servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you are faithful to managers of small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. Say much, much more. Much, much more. And you will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, Come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, Look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please, and you are a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. Um, but here it is. Take it. It is yours. Angered by what he heard, the master said to him, You are an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it all back in interest when I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to one who has 10,000. For the one who... Uh, who has will be given more until the over until he overflows with abundance, and the one with hardly anything, even what little he has, will be taken from him. Then the master said to his other servants, "Now throw that good-for-nothing servant far away from me into the outer darkness, where there will be great misery and anguish." So there's a lot that can be taken from this story. Obviously, there's um, this is you know a powerful way you know to look at you know what we do with our money and how we steward it. Um, there are three points as I was studying and meditating on this this week, um, there's three things uh, that the Lord showed me. First point, if you, hold on to what, if you hold on to what you don't have, you'll have even less. So if you look at the, uh, the third servant who, had, who was given the least amount, he was so afraid of what would happen if he lost the money that he didn't place it in the ground. It, or he didn't, he didn't do anything with it. He just placed it in the ground. So he wasn't, you know, being a steward of it. He, you know, he was taking that seed and he was holding on to it. And so you can look at it like this. If, you, if I were to take a seed in my hand, right, and I just put it in my hand and I held it for, like, say, two months, would it grow? Absolutely not. I, it doesn't grow until I release it, until I plant that seed into good soil, amen, so I'm not investing in like the lottery, amen, um, you know, that'd be bad seed, that's like throwing it in the sand, um, instead it's placed in, in good soil, and that's how that grows, amen, and so uh, a really good example, I feel like, for, you know, you know, taking that, even if it's a, a small seed, you know, if you hear from the voice of God, you know, which is why we always say, you know, take a moment to ask the Lord what, what he'd have you give. There's a reason for that. There's a principle in that because we are to do everything in him. You know, Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So if he's directing your path and your finances, you know, let him, you know, give that to him. Amen. So, um, you know, most of you probably already know, but one of my best friends, uh, Christian Hartman, uh, you know, they just got, they're safe. They got home last night. Praise God. Uh, so they, um, but Christian, uh, before he got married, I'll never forget, he had like, 
Uh, there was, you know, meetings going on here. And on a Sunday night service, the Lord told him to, to sow $13. It was like 13 something. He just felt it in his heart. He's like, so he's like, I'm just going to sow it. So he sowed 13. Well, then that next night, because him and I were working together. Um, and the next night, he's like, man, well, you won't even believe this. He goes, man, the Lord told me to sow $13. I was like, well, that's kind of like an odd number to sow. And he's like, I know. But he's like, guess how much I have in my account? I was like, I don't know. It's like $13. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. That's another way of like cutting that branch off as you're still staying on it. Amen. So, but he sowed it because the Lord told him to, you know, he didn't do it out of compulsion. He did it because the Lord said, Hey, you know, I want you to sow this. And by the end of that week, I'll never forget. It was a Friday night. Him and I were working together at the Marriott hotel and he starts jumping for joy. And I'm like, what happened, man? Cause remember they were just he was about to get married, and he just sold the rest of his money. And uh, he's like, man, I just got a call. And he goes, my grandparents are going to pay for a trip to Hawaii. So just from that, from that sewing, because he honored the Lord, uh, he got blessed with a trip to Hawaii. And me, I know the word, so I started jumping for joy too, because the Bible says that, uh, that he's no respecter of persons. What he does for one person, he'll do for another. Amen. And it says, you know, to jump in joy with your brother. So, um, so praise God. And uh, so that, it's, for me, that's a great example of, it's like, even if you have that, it's like, sow it. You know, sow what the Lord tells you to do. Don't do it from what someone else says. You know, follow him and he'll direct your path. Uh, the second point in this story uh, that the Lord showed me, it says, uh, sometimes it's not how much seed we have to give, but what we do with that seed. So if I put that seed in the ground, you know, like I was saying before, and I don't water it, you know, amen, if I, or if I uh, put it somewhere and just like try to just forget about it because I want to be lazy with it, you know, um, you know, there's a difference if you're, you're sowing it to a minister and you're blessed them is like, you know, you, you know, you're going to do something with it. But on that, the other side is the financial side is like, if I put the seed in the ground, it's like, I have to take action with it. You know, I water it with my words and my words should reflect the word of God, which is flowing through me because that's why we're to meditate day and night on our words. And, um, so one uh, way that we had, um, with you know, an example of um, taking something that we thought was small and that turned into big was uh, my wife and I. We took over. Um, uh, it was a couple years now. We took over Faith Academy. So when before we went to RBI, I felt the Lord press on my heart um, that I was to do be a youth pastor, and I was like. So I, I at that time, and I won't get into it now because it's a little bit longer, but the. Um, I was really broken when I was going to, I went to the River Bible Institute of Tampa, and I was really broken. I had dabbled in drugs, and when I say dabbled, I mean I lived in it for two, three years. Like, I mean, I was, uh, Pastor Alan Hawes from uh, RBI said I was a walking pharmacy at one point. And uh, so, but the Lord broke that off of me because, you know, anointing breaks the yoke of bondage, amen? Um, and so I was... You know, the Lord pressed on my heart that, and I always had a heart for youth. You know, when I was younger, I, I said I was going to be a youth pastor. But then uh, the Lord really pressed on it. And so I went to RBI and uh, I met my wife, Chrissy, and turns out her heart was youth too, which was awesome because, you know, I, I've heard it from many ministers that if you're running after God with all your heart and strength, you look to your right and there's someone standing next to you, grab their hand. And that's what I did with Chrissy. And uh, so her heart was youth. So when we came into 
Life Family Church, which I was already established here. But when she came in um, after RBI, we were expecting like, okay, yeah, you know, the youth is just going to pop up and this and that. And we're going to be these uh, teenagers and we're going to have these 17 year olds and 18. It's going to be great. This is awesome. And then Pastor Marie comes up and says, hey, we want you to take over the children's. And we're like, what? (laughs) Children's. Okay. Uh, so, and at first, I'll be honest with you, you know, like, cards on the table. I was a little like, uh, that's not what the Lord told me. I'm like, and, <laughs> so we went into, I'll never forget the first, first class we went into, and it was rough. I'm telling you right now, I mean, I mean, you can ask Matt and Michelle. It was like, they, you know, Matt's one of the toughest guys I've ever met in my life. They did Faith Camp one time. Matt came out and was like, uh-uh, nope, not doing it. Not doing it. So, but we knew the grace was there. And we knew that, um, and, and finally, you know, I, I was meditating. like, God, you said youth, you know. But it, it, he brought up, um, he brought up Luke 16, 10. It says, if you're faithful little, I'll make you rule over much. And so I looked at the principal aspect of that. Because I was like, well, I always thought that was finances. And it, and it is. It does refer to finances. But you can also look at it as, you know, what God has given you at that time. And be able to use it. So, you know, as we're sowing seed, we sow seed financially. But, you know, sow time and sow things for the kingdom of God. And now I can't tell you. Like, I mean, there's no way I can fully describe how much I love these kids. Uh, each and every one of them. I could tell you. I could run down the list of the kids we have in here and tell you each and every strength they have. And, you know, I can teach people how to love them and how to teach them because that's what God has put on me. So, so as we take the anointing, as we take, you know, our financial needs, we, you know, we sow it and we, um, and we use that to build his kingdom. Amen. So the third point, last point for today is uh, you can't outgive God. Amen. So that's the plant city. So you can't outgive God. So we'll say it that way. See, because the thing is, the Lord is in the multiplication business. He's not in the taking business. You know, he needs, like Pastor Jack always says, he needs a seed from you to give a seed to you. So we got to take that first step to be able to jump out to do that. Amen? And because the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that he desires to give exceedingly abundantly more than what we ever asked for. So we apply that word because the Bible says in Numbers 23 and 19, it says uh, that, uh, you know, he's not a man that could lie. So in, in the book of Isaiah, so that his words don't return void. You know, they go forth, produce much fruit in our lives. So, you know, we apply this word, the exceedingly abundantly, and we apply um, Deuteron- the promises in Deuteronomy, and we can stand on that word because we know that he is quick to perform it. And the thing is, guys, is like literally, if you look at this, even the first person, he gave so much, or he was, received so much, and he doubled it. And what did the Bible say? The Bible said that he, he would produce much, much more. And I love how, I mean, I looked at every translation in each one said much, much more. So there's an emphasis on that. If they're repeating it twice, because every word of the Bible is God breathed. So if they're repeating it twice, there's a reason for it. Because God, you know, doesn't want us broken, disgusted. He wants us full of life. You know, he said that, uh, you know, as our soul prospers, that we shall. So the thing is, guys, is there's such a power in his name. And I know there's some preachers that, you know, teach, oh, well, you got to be humble with the money, but no, there's way too many scriptures that back up that we uh, that we are to be built up because it is seed. You know, the more we receive, the more we can give to build his kingdom and God's not going to let us down. The Bible says that uh, he's never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. We have all that we need and then some and we apply that word and it builds even more. Amen. 
And lastly, if you look even in Malachi 3.10, the only time in the Bible where he says, test me, he says, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows until it overflows. He says, test me to finance. So, so as we're preparing our offering today, give and know that it's an overflow. This right here, and it's like, they say, I've had people ask me like, well, why do you tithe? Why do you give? The thing is, truth is, it's not mine anyways. God has just entrusted me with the finances to be able to put it out so that it could be multiplied and used for his kingdom and his glory. Amen? Because we are kingdom-minded and we are here to build souls and we can do that financially. Amen? Amen. All right, guys. So at this time, uh, there should be offering envelopes on the back of your, your uh, chairs. If you would just prepare that. And uh, we're going to you know, prepare for our tithes and offerings. If you're making out checks, uh, uh, or we have the lifefamilychurch.net. You can pay online. We've got PayPal. We've got these here, the envelopes. So I'll just give you a minute and ask the Lord what you'd have you do. And like I said, really, you know, trust in that. Because he is the God's born enough. Even his, his name itself, Jehovah Jireh, come on, the Lord that provides, is like, <laughs> that people tell me, it's like, you know, you know, God doesn't just give like that. It's like, his name is the Lord that provides. I mean, come on. Amen? Amen. All right. If you're ready to give, say yay. If you're not ready to give, say nay. All right. All right. At this time, if you lift your offerings to heaven, I'll pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that as we, um, as we so see it in your kingdom, Lord, we just thank you that it is blessed and that it goes and it grows. And, Father, that we could use it for your kingdom, Father, that, God, that we are uh, uh, anointed with it, Lord. And we, uh, we thank you according to your word in Luke six thirty eight. Your word says that if we give, it shall be given to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Through the hands of men, it shall be given under our bosom. So, Lord, as we apply your word uh, to this offering, God, we just thank you for the growth for it. We thank you uh, for the uh, financial increase, Lord, so that we can better serve you, Lord, so we could better build your kingdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And you still have no answers. Have you been pouring out so many years? Have you been hoping that things would have changed by now? Have you cried all the faith you have through so many tears? Dr. Moore. It's like the prize. Ever give a warm welcome to Dr. Moore? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? Yes. Are you glad to be here this morning? Yes. Amen. How, how many would rather be here than jail? Raise your hands. Uh, just a few of you. Praise the Lord. Well, it's, a, it's an honor to be here with you. I actually just flew in la last night, late last night. And then actually I fly back tonight as soon as we leave here and head to the airport. We're actually in our fifth week revival in uh, Green, uh, not Greensboro, but um, Roanoke, Virginia. And we're on our fifth week every, every night. It's amazing what the Lord's been doing. The glory of God coming in every night. The place packed every night. People, last Friday night was, was a wonderful night, especially at the kids. I mean, 
a number of kids had to be carried out of the church. It was really quite amazing. I, mean, I remember I, on one of the night, I lined a bunch of the kids up, and they just they lined up together and lifted their hands, and and it was like a domino. The power of God hit one of the kids and just boom, 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 hit 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 all the kids, and to the ground they went. And so I, I've learned a long time ago that if you can get your kids experiencing God at a young age, there'll be a whole lot of hell you'll be spared when they get older. Amen. Because here's the reality. Your kids are going to be trained. But you're going to have to make the decision. Are you going to train them or are you going to let the world train them? If the world trains them, they'll, they'll grow up and they'll, they'll take the things of God that are very holy. And they will pervert them. And they'll be lied to because it's the spirit of Antichrist that's in the world. And the purpose of the spirit of Antichrist is, is, is to dictate and control the lives of people. But... We are the ones that determine how that happens. Amen? And, you know, and don't think just because, listen, there's a lot of stuff happening in the world today. But always remember, we have the victory. And we win. Amen? So no matter what's going on, we win. And we are winning. Amen? I want to share a few things um, with you today from from the Word. I, um, I felt like the Lord spoke something to me. And I want to share with you because everything that's in the Word, we have to understand. God put God put each story in the Word for a reason. It's to build our faith, but it's also to show us how it's our God how we're to act and how we're to respond and how we're to live our life. Understand something: Jesus did not come here to start a church. Jesus didn't leave heaven to come and start a new religion. Jesus did not come here to give us some moral or ethical code to live by. Jesus came for one purpose, and that is to redeem us. He came that we might have life, and that we might have life more abundantly. That's the life of God. Amen? Now, understand something. That life is just not automatically manifested. We have to do things. You know, especially religion, unfortunately. Religion religion teaches that, you know, just do what you need to do and live the way you need to live and, and God's will will automatically happen. Well, if it's the Lord's will, it'll happen. But that's not how God operates. Well, you know, the Bible says, well, you know, God feeds the birds of the air. But yeah, understand something. The birds have to dive down and get the worm. Amen. The birds have to do something. God feeds them. The birds have to do something. We have to do something. The Bible says that, that we must be doers of the Word of God, not just hearers only. You just being a hearer of the Word of God will not help your life. You just being a hearer of miracles won't cause miracles to manifest in your life. You just being a hearer, you listen, you just hearing what, what Andrew said about giving will not produce blessing in your life. You have to do something. We have to be doers of the Word of God. A miracle doesn't happen just because you want it to happen. It doesn't happen because you wish it to happen. It happens as a result of you doing something. Amen? So our purpose and our key is to get people is to be doers of the Word of God. Amen? And, and there's principles in the Word of God. There's laws in the Word of God. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the second chapter, the Bible talks about the law of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Amen? The Bible talks about in Galatians chapter 6 about spiritual laws concerning sowing and reaping. It's a law. You can't get away from it. The Bible says, whatever you sow, you will reap. It's a law. Understand something. Every time you sow a seed, the ground is forced to produce. Why? Why is the ground forced to produce? Because it's a law. God set laws in motion. Amen? And so understand spiritual laws govern natural laws. 
Just like there's natural laws, just like, I mean, gravity's a law. Amen. Guess what? You jump off a building, you're not going to stay suspended in the air. You're going to come to the ground. It's a law. Amen. And so there's, there's laws that we are to operate by and live by. And, and here in Mark chapter 5, the woman with issue of blood applied a law to her life. And it was manifested. A miracle was manifested in her. And understand something. Everything God's put in his word. The Bible. Listen. The Lord said to me many years ago. The Lord said to me. Teach people to do what they did in the word. And when they do. Then that which happened in their life. Will be manifested in those lives today. So as we look at some principles here. We need to apply some things to our life. And then as we apply things to our life. We need to expect some things. You know the problem with the church world. Is the church. The church, and unfortunately, the church is much like the world. Many people in the church see God as a God of judgment, and he is a God of judgment. Listen, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. God is a God of judgment, but understand something. When you see the judgment of God, it's always after years and years and years and years and years and years and years of God giving people an opportunity to make things right. Just think of the patience that God had with the children of Israel. For 40 years... For 40 years, actually, God, God was so upset with them that, that the Bible says that God even repented that he, that he delivered them. That God even repented that he brought them out of Egypt. But yet, even in, the midst, even in the midst of their murmuring and complaining and their doubt, God still supernaturally provided for them. Listen, God supernaturally protected them. There was a pillar of cloud. There was a pillar of cloud, God's own presence. The pillar of cloud during the day provided them, shielded them from the sun. The pillar of fire by night protected them from, from the cold and from, and, and from the armies that were after them. And the Bible says when the cloud of God began to move, the children of Israel would move. Why? Because even the children of Israel in their disobedience realized that as long as they was where the cloud of God was, they were protected. I mean, think about it. God supernaturally provided for him for 40 years. I mean, their the Bible says their shoes didn't wear out. I mean, the Bible says their clothes didn't wear out. The Bible says that God fed, God fed them manna from heaven every day. They didn't go hungry. I mean, uh, do you understand who the Father is? Now, understand who God is. And the problem in the church is, is that we have a lot of people that have a lot of, that have a lot of information. I mean, listen, there's many theologians out there that they, they, can, they can give you a lot of information about God. But you know there's a difference between having information and having a relationship. Amen? No, no, no. There's, there's a big difference. You, listen, you, there's one, it's one thing to know about somebody. It's a whole other thing to know somebody. And the only way you get to know somebody is spend time with that person. If you want to listen, if you if you want to if you want to know God, if you want to know the voice of God, then you must get into the Word of God. Because as you get into the Word of God, you become familiar. You become familiar with the voice of the Word, and you become familiar with God. But it only comes as a result of you giving yourself. You have to give yourself because God's already drawn nigh to you. You have to give yourself to Him. See, there's laws. Understand something. There's laws. We, listen, we're not just to live our life the best we can. Well, you know, but religion will teach you. Well, you know, live your life the best you can, and then God's will will just be manifested to you. And if it doesn't happen, then it's, it's for God. For some reason, it's God's will. And we won't, we're not supposed to understand everything here. But, you know, when we get to heaven, we'll understand everything. And that's what religion teaches. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Well, then, if, listen, if you want to be a pleaser of God, then you have to understand what faith is. And the Bible says that those that come to Him must believe that He is. 
and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The, ma- the majority of the body of Christ doesn't see God as a rewarder. They see God as a God of a judgment. And there is the judgment of God. Every single one of us are going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of our life. There's the great white throne judgment and there's the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you're the great white throne judgment, then you're in trouble. <laughs> that, means that, that, that means then you'll be damned for eternity. But if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, guess what? We're going to be judged. I'm going to be judged, I'm going to be judged of, of what I teach you today. I'm going to be judged of what I share with you today. That's why we got to, I take this very serious. That's why we don't, we don't make emotional pleas. We don't pull on people's emotions. You know, everywhere we go, we, we receive an offering for the ministry. We'll receive an offering later today. But you know what? I never told Pastor Jock when he asked me to come. And first off, you know, he's a friend. You know, I didn't have to fly from Virginia. But I, want, I wanted to because he's a friend. And you know what? It's because it's we are in relationship. Amen? And, and, and friends help friends. Come on. That's, that's how it is in the body of Christ. Amen? And plus, Pastor Jack can trust me. And, and you know, and I don't take that for granted. So the last thing I'm going to do is come and do, do something and manipulate you when he's gone. This isn't, but people do. And that just, that just exposes their heart. But you know what? But the bottom line, it's not even about that. The bottom line is that one day that I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account of my life. I'm going to give an account of what I share today. I'm going to give an account of what I minister today. The way we receive the offering later, I'm going to give an account of that. That's why I'm very, that's why I'm very cautious to never pull on people's emotions. I mean, we're, we're in our, going in our fifth week of revival in Roanoke. The place is packed. You know what? Not one time, not one time in, in four weeks, going to our fifth week starts uh, tomorrow, but go, go, in four weeks, never one time have I even shared a need. Not one time have I, I've have, I even shared a need of the ministry. Why? Because I'm not going to pull on people's emotions. I'm very careful, I, and I'm very careful to share. I mean, there's certain things that I'm believing God for, but I'm not going to tell you. Because I don't, I don't want, you know, because here's the thing I find, and some of it, some of it maybe you could provide, but you know what the reality is, is that I'm not, I'm not going to be accused of manipulating. I don't, you know, some people, they live their life faith without hints. You know, they hint around, you know. Well, you know, I'm believing for this and I'm believing for that. And, you know, I'm believing for this. You, wow, it should, would be nice. I'm believing for this. No, 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 that's called hints. <laughs> that, no, that's called hints. I remember one time I was in, and, and I despise that, by the way. I, 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 was in, I was in a meeting in one state and, and I'd been in this church for many weeks and, and then I went back and 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 in another church and and so obviously in the city you developed a name and and so there was this other evangelist that was there and uh, he'd happened to be be at another church in the city and and one night we just happened to be at the same restaurant together and I was there with the pastor and some people from the church and he was there with the pastor and some people from the church he was at and and of course he had heard about me and so he comes up to introduce himself to me at the table and as he's there he has the bill in his hand. And he takes the bill, and there's probably about 15 of us. He takes the bill, and he goes like this. He goes, and I was actually, I was about ready to grab his bill and pay, and just bless him. And he probably had about 10 people with him, and I was just going to just bless him, you know. You, you have to be a, a sower. You have to be a sower. You, you have to be a giver. It's not, listen, that's not even an option. It shouldn't even be a question in your mind. You have to be a giver. You have to. And one of the ways you can tell if you're a giver or not, because if you have no seed, then that shows you're not a giver. Right, that's good. 
Well, what do you mean, Brother Richard? The Bible says that God gives, so, God gives seed to the sower. Exactly right. He gives seed to the sower. He doesn't give seed to the person who don't have no money. He gives seed to the person who's going to sow. So if you're a sower, he'll make sure you get seed. Amen? And so I was about ready to, 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 to reach up and take his, you know, because he had it in his hand. But I was about ready to reach up and take his bill and he goes but then he did something was it was a hint and I just I was about ready to grab the bill and then as he said I was like no you pay for it yourself <laughs> because he took he took the bill and he says he goes like this anybody feel led to get this uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was about ready to get it but guess what and I'm gonna share talk to you about some words in a minute but he opened up his mouth And that was the problem. He opened up his mouth and he revealed his heart. And I said, no, you take care. And then myself, I didn't tell him personally, but I said, and to myself, I said to myself, no, take care of it yourself. I mean, it probably, I mean, he had a number of people with him. It probably been a couple hundred dollars. But he opened his mouth. But be careful what you say. Now, I'm going to share some things with you today that, 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 uh, the, the, listen, God even looks at your words. You realize that? You know, God even looks at your words. Your words were to determine how you live your life. Your words were to determine the world you live in. If you're full of doubt, it's because of what you've been speaking. If you're full of, if you're full of faith, it's because of what you've been speaking. Amen? Understand something. Every time you open up your mouth, you either speak life or you speak death. Every time you open up your mouth, you either speak faith or you speak doubt. Every time you open up your mouth, you either speak blessing or you speak curses. That's why it's so important. It's so important. I will show you some things just here in a little bit. It's so important what we say. But if you turn your Bibles, first off, go with me to the book of Proverbs and then go with me to the book of, the book of Mark. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that it goes forth. And it will not return to you void. Lord, I thank you that every individual here will leave this house blessed. That every individual here today will leave with their understanding of you, who you are, your word. Lord, I thank you that every individual here today, their faith grows. And Lord, I thank you that I'm looking at doers of the word here at, at this church. And we give you all glory and honor in the name of Jesus. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18 Starting with verse 21, or starting with verse 20. The Bible says, A man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his lips, or the, or the fruit of his mouth, and with, his, and with the increase of his lips will he be filled. The Bible says, With the increase of your lips will you be filled. Understand, understand, understand the importance of words. Now listen to me. Understand the importance of words. I'm going to share. I'm going to show you something this morning. I'm going to share with you a principle that will literally change your life. Because the reality is, you have the ability to change your life today. You have the you have the ability to change what's going on in your body. You have the ability to change your finances. You have the ability to change the next five years of your life. You have the ability to do it. And everybody, everybody wants to leave it up to God. And understand something. God will help you. But guess what? You are the one that are responsible. You are the one. I am the one. We are the ones that are responsible for taking God's word and applying it to our life. And as we do, 
then that which God has, that law that God has set in motion, that spiritual law that God has set in motion will be manifested in your life. And it's so important, it's so very important that we take and we apply things. But you have the ability to change things. You have the ability to do it. You have the ability to do it through prayer. You have the ability to do it through what you say with your words. You have the ability to do it with your finances. You have the ability to change things. Understand something. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's not, a, he's, listen, he's not just a rewarder of those who diligently pray. And you have to pray. But he's a rewarder of those who come after him. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. And you have to seek God as a rewarder because most people don't see him as a rewarder. But he is a rewarder. The Bible says if you that are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more should he give good gifts to those who ask him? Understand something. He's very good. God is a rewarder. He'll give good things to those who ask him. But understand something. You're going to have to do some asking. You have your part to play in this. Because faith is an action. Faith isn't just words. Faith is an action. You have to be a doer of the word of God. And as you are a doer of the word of God, then the word of God is manifested in your life. But you have the ability to change things. You have the ability to change things. And this woman here, the Bible says she changed her life. But here, and, and, and we'll get to that in a moment. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, listen to what he says here. The Bible says that a man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips, he will be filled. Do you know the Bible also says in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that the sweetness of one's lips increases learning. The sweetness of one's lips increases learning. Well, what's that mean? Do you know you can you can have all the truth there is. You can listen. You can be the most uh, you can be the most anointed guy south of the Mason Dixon line. You can you can have you can you can have the most revelation of anybody any minister here in Florida. But you know what? If you're cocky and if you're arrogant, you're going to turn people off. But the Bible says in Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the Bible says that the sweetness of one's lips increases learning. Amen. Understand, understand the power of words. So the Bible says that you'll be filled with your lips with what you speak. And he says in verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death. Or in the power of the tongue. Do you realize that every time you speak life, every time you speak, you either speak life or you speak death. That's why you have to be so careful what you say. And here's the thing that and I'm going to show you in here in just a little bit. That the enemy will come. I'm going to show you the power of words. Because the reality is you are where you are in life because of what you've been saying. You are where you are right now because of what you've been saying. Listen to me. You are where you are right now because of what you've been saying. Do you, listen, now I can prove it to you. Do you, do you do, let me, how many of you here this morning, if you was to die right now, you know that 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 you go to heaven. Raise your hand. I mean, there is absolutely no doubt. Raise your, no, everybody, raise your hand. Okay, that's everybody here. We know that's a good thing, but it's actually a bad thing too. Then just, listen, and I know that, I know that three quarters of the church are on a mission trip. But there still should be people here that's not saved. Amen? Because you should have gone out and got them. Amen? I just, I just, I just switched over to Pastor Richard. 
<laughs> I'll go back and forth from Pastor Richard to Evangelist Richard. <laughs> but, but, so everybody here raised your hand that you're going to heaven. Well, let me ask you a question. How did you get to heaven? No, because right now, I understand right now, eternity is in you right now. But how did eternity get in you? Because you said something. You were dead. You were dead and bound for hell. But what changed it? Because you said something. Go with me to Romans chapter 10 quickly. Romans the 10th chapter. I'm going to show you a principle. Romans the 10th chapter. Romans the 10th chapter. Starting with verse 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, let me ask you a question. You, you were translated here from, from death unto life. How did that happen? Two things had to take place. And understand something. I'm showing you principles. I'm showing you laws. And you take these two things that you did caused a miracle to happen. You were translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. These two things will also cause a body that's ravaged with sickness and disease to be made whole. These two things will also cause somebody that struggles financially to have so much that there's not enough room to put it all. It's, it's a principle. Understand there's laws. God has set laws in motion. And understand something. And the thing that's so incredible about it is you begin to see these laws that God set in motion. The laws that God himself applies to his own life. You mean God applies laws to his own life? Sure he does. The Bible says... The Bible says, you can look it up, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the second chapter, the Bible says that God created the worlds out of nothing. But how did he create the worlds out of nothing? The Bible says, by faith, by speaking. The Bible says that by faith, God created the worlds with his words. God himself applied faith. Understand the power of, of words. That's why when you speak, your words are either life or they're death. Your words are either faith or they're doubt. And the Bible says through faith, by the speaking of his words, by God opening up his mouth, God created the world out of nothing. That's why the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Un understand something. Listen to me. Listen closely what I'm going to tell you. Every time you speak, you either give access to the Holy Ghost or you give access to the devil. Every time you speak, you either give access to the Holy Ghost or you give access to demons. And here's what the enemy will do. The enemy will come to pressure you to speak because the enemy, the enemy knows, listen, he just can't come and have access to your life. Yeah. 
Understand, Satan cannot just come and have access in your life. But how does he gain access? Through your words. Because he doesn't have the power. I'm understand, you have, you have power over him. He is under your feet. The Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All things are under his feet. If all things are under his feet, then all things are under our feet. Why? Because of our seating, because of our citizenship, because of our, of our place in the Father. And notice what I said, our place in the Father. We are him because understand something, we are family. This, the, the very authority that Jesus operated in is the very authority we operate in. Remember when Jesus it was raised from the dead? Remember, you know, he hadn't offered his blood to the Father yet. But yet, who, who was it that, can you, who can tell me, who did he meet at the tomb? Mary. What did he say to Mary? Remember? He, yes, correct. He said, don't touch me. But here's what he said. He said, don't touch me, but go to my brethren. The first time in Scripture, he refers to us as family. Go to my, really what he was saying, go to my equals. You mean, you mean we're equal with the Father? You mean we're equal with God? Absolutely. Doesn't mean we're deity. We're not deity. But I'll show you how, how we're equal because Jesus himself said it. Jesus said, told Mary, go to my brethren and tell them. Listen, I go to my father and to their father. I go to my God and to their God. Jesus was saying we're one. Jesus was saying we're family. Jesus is saying we're brethren. Jesus was saying we're equal because of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's why the Bible says in the book of Colossians, the Bible says if hell would have known what was going to take place at the crucifixion, they, the Bible says they never would have crucified him. See, hell, hell at the time only had to deal with Jesus. Now hell has to deal with the body of Christ all over the world. Now hell has to deal with us. Why? Because the very authority that Jesus walked in is the very authority we walk in. The very power that, we, that Jesus walked in is the, come on church, is the very power that we walk in. Come on, understand something. The very place and the very position that Jesus had with the Father is the very place and the very position that we have with the Father. And as long as the enemy can keep you from understanding that, he can rob you in your life. Because if you don't understand the truth, then that means you're going to speak doubt and you're going to speak unbelief. And they're going to speak death. And as you speak it, now you give access to him. That's why the enemy, the enemy puts pressure. Well, I mean, we can see it. The, the Bible says, and I'll show you in a moment, the, the Bible says to guard your mouth, put a guard on your mouth. Because uh, understand something. I mean, in Job 2, well, think about it. It's because the enemy will come to put pressure on you. Because he knows he can't gain access to your life any other way. But the only way that he can gain access is through your words. Because it's a spiritual law that God set in motion. That's why you come and put pressure on you. Never respond to pressure. I mean, you've heard people come and say, you know what, I've just, I, my back's against the wall. I just can't only sit something. I'm just going to get this off my chest. No, don't. Because you're about ready to speak death. 
No, don't. No, I just got, I just got to say something. I just got to get this off my chest. No, you're about ready to give access to demons. Because every time you open up your mouth, you either give access to the Holy Ghost or you give access to demons. Because that's what the Bible says. It's a law. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 18 that you either speak, every time we speak, you either speak life or you speak death. Hello? I'm not, listen, this is not from the book of Richard. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you what God said. Life and death is in power. Notice he said power. Because guess what? Fear is power. I remember, I mean, as I told you a moment ago, we're going into our fifth week of revival in Roanoke. I mean, I'll, after the service, my, my kids are here. My daughter and son-in-law are here. And we're going to have lunch and then go to, I got to go to the airport and fly back to Roanoke. But, you, you know, just here a couple weeks when I was in Roanoke, the, I think it was like the second or third week, I, uh, I came back from the meeting. It was late one night. And I had, we, have, uh, we have my daughter and son-in-law's dog. And, uh, <laughs> and for some reason, he was with us. Don't know why. And anyway, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I took it. It's just a little, little multi-poo. I mean, it's what, 10-pound dog? I mean, it's a little bitty dog. And I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to take him out to, to do his, take care of business. That's all. But I didn't know I was going to get in confrontation. There was another man there. He's probably in his 50s. And I got into a confrontation with him. Well, a little bandit ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's not like, you know, Pastor Jackson. It's not like I got Jesse with me. For those of you who don't know, Pastor Jack has a Belgian shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? A Belgian Malinois. Yeah, Belgian Malinois. Belgian Malinois. <laughs> but it's a form of a shepherd. <laughs> and so, but the problem is that I'm, I'm on the elevator. I'm on the elevator and we're like on the fifth floor. And you know, it's coming down and all of a sudden we get to the third floor. The door opens and I got a little bandit, you know. <laughs> And he goes to walk in, and he sees the dog, and he runs back out and stops out. And he didn't get all fear. I said, sir, you come on? No. Shouldn't have it here. What? Shouldn't have it here. <laughs> I, just, I shut the door. <laughs> I just pushed the button. Okay, you're not getting on. And we go downstairs and, and take him out. And, you know, Bandit goes down there and he's outside taking care of business. And he, and he walks out and he's all, he's all shaken. I mean, this is, a, this is a grown man. He's probably 50. He's my age. I'll be 55 next month, the 30th. Write that date down. I'll be 55. And, uh, and so, so he comes out and he's all nervous and he comes out to smoke a cigarette. And he says, he says, you shouldn't have that dog here. I'm, all, I'm like, first off, don't holler at me. If you want to have a conversation, we'll have a conversation. I said, sir, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you shouldn't have that dog in the elevator. 
I said, sir, it's a service dog. It's an emotional support dog. <laughs> yeah, well, it's emotional for him. Not for me. <laughs> for him. He needs emotional. The dog, man, it needs emotional support, not me. <laughs> oh, come take your dog back. Ed. <laughs> And then, then, then he goes on and, you won't, and then he, won't, he just won't let up. The God just keeps going on. I said, sir. And I found myself hollering at him. I'm like, am I going to get in a fight with this guy? It's over, it's over bandit. The dog's name's bandit. It's over this little dog. I mean. And I said, sir. I, had a, I said, sir. It wasn't on purpose. I can't help it that you're afraid of a little dog. It wasn't intentional. What are you upset for? If it was an intentional, I can understand. But it wasn't intentional. I don't even know you. Well, you shouldn't have that dog in the elevator. I said, sir, I have every right to have the dog in the elevator. I said, sir, I'm not apologizing anymore. That's what I had to say. I said, look, I already apologize when I don't have to apologize because I didn't do nothing intentional. And I did nothing wrong. We shouldn't have the dog. I said, sir, I will not apologize to you again. It's on you. And I was finding myself getting angry. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in a fight here with this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, bandit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just attend. I'm mean, just fur. And then he says, "Okay, well, so be it." I said, "So be it for what?" Then, then, then I'm like, then he just, then he's, he's but he's so, but I could see, I, I sort of fell for him because he's, he's like not in himself because the fear has, there's power in fear because the fear has so gripped him. And I actually, well, I actually wanted to. Try to talk to him, but just I, I could help you, sir. I could help you because it's a spirit. Because fear is a spirit as well. And so obviously, somewhere here's a grown man, fifty-five some years, probably my age. Here's a grown man af afraid of a little dog. That's not even don't even make sense in the natural, but it does when fear controls your life. Because fear will take something that's nothing and make it a huge mountain. That's why you never make a decision out of fear. That's why you never do anything out of fear. That's why you never do anything out of pressure. And that's why the enemy will come. The enemy will come and try to pressure you. The pressure you. Pressure you to do something. What is that he's trying to pressure you to do? Open your mouth. Because the moment you open, the moment you open your mouth is the moment you give access to him. What, and I can show you in the book of Job. Why do you think, the, listen, the Bible says in Job, what is it, the second chapter? The Bible, listen, the Bible says, what did Job's wife do? Job's wife, notice that she said, curse God. Job's wife tried to get him to curse it, but understand something. She pressured him to open his mouth. Why? Because if he would have if he would have yielded to the pressure she was putting on him, because he already is in the situation that he's in because of fear. Because the Bible says, the, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the Bible, Job said himself said, the very thing I have feared has come upon me. Now, now understand something. Job only <laughs> Because Job was the wealthiest man there was. Uh, understand, 
And, and, and theologians tell us, those that don't even believe in miracles anymore, but theologians tell us that Job only went through what Job went through anywhere from six to nine months. But, that, but religion will make you think that that's how Job lived his life for years and years and years and years and years. That, no, no, no. Job only went through what he went through for about anywhere from six to nine months. That's it. And then the Bible says, isn't it amazing? They always want to focus on what was taken, but yet they never want to focus on the last chapter of his life. Because the last chapter of his life, nine months later, or anywhere from six to nine months later, the Bible says that God added back to Job more than double. Amen. Amen. But his wife tried to pressure him to do what? To open his mouth. And the enemy will try to pressure you to open your mouth. Go with me to the book of Psalms 141. I'll show you. I know, I know you're there in, in Mark 5, but we'll get to it. Psalms chapter 141, verse 3. Listen what the Spirit of God says to us. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Set a guard over my mouth. The Bible tells us to guard our mouth. Why? Because what comes out next is either going to be life or death. Put a guard over my mouth because what comes out is either going to be blessing or curses. What comes out is either going to be a blessing or it's going to be poverty. Set a, set a guard over my, over my mouth, Lord. Actually, one translation says, set a guard over my mouth so it might preserve my life. Why? Because when you speak, when you understand, when you speak, you set in motion a spiritual law. That's why the Bible says how we saved. There again, back to, back to one of the foundations of our scriptures. How we saved. We are saved by words. We believed in our heart. And as a result of believing, we had to do something. What did we have to do? We had to confess with our mouth. Think about the power of it. Just you believing in your heart and confessing in with your mouth took you from death to life. Just you believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth changed. Think about the power of it. It changed your very nature. Changed your very nature. God himself through faith spoke the worlds into existence. That's why, that's why those, God's telling us here, put a guard over our mouth. You know, there's a, have you ever heard that little, that little rhyme? I, I, I remember hearing this as a kid. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Wrong. So wrong. So wrong. Have you ever heard the saying, loose lips sink ships? Do you know where that come from? That came from, I think it was World War II. That saying came because, the, because the, the enemy had sent spies. The enemy had sent spies and, and, and to, to find out where 
you know, the certain ships were going to go, certain submarines were going to go. But, but how, how did they find out? Because people opened up their mouth and said. And so what happened, the spies were there and they would hear where the ships are going. That way they could send submarines to sink it. That's where the saying, loose lips sink ships comes from. It's the power of words. Well, you know, bro, I'm a positive thinker. It ain't about positive thinking. See, that, that, that's uh, motivational people. And I'm not a motivational preacher. Listen, nothing wrong with life coaching and all that stuff. I'm not one, but listen, nothing wrong with But you have to, there's nothing wrong with being encouraged. But you also have to understand something about, about motivational speaking. First off, motivational speakers focus, make you focus on you. And you should focus on you, but they also focus on you to the fact that they'll have, look in the mirror and say, I can do anything. No, you can't do anything. First off, you don't have, you, you don't, you, you don't, you don't, you can't do anything. Now, through Christ, you can do all things. Amen. See, that's the reason why Paul said in Timothy, I know in whom I have believed. Paul didn't put any emphasis on himself. Paul put emphasis in his trust in God. Amen? But they'll tell you, but, they, they, but they'll speak. And you've, you've got, there's books on it. Positive thinking, positive thinking, positive. And you, listen, I understand you have to think right. But it's more than just thinking right. You thinking right is not what's going to change you. It's what comes out of your mouth that's going to change you. Because guess what? You can, you can have positive thinking while the ship's going down. <laughs> No, no, no. It's what you say. It's not what you say. It's what you say that's going to change things. That's why the Bible says life and death is in your tongue. Amen. Positive thinking didn't cause you to tra be translated from darkness to light. It's what you believed in what you said that caused you to be translated from darkness to light. If positive thinking would change your life, the Bible would say so. It's just like people say, well, you know, I don't know why I did that, but I guess my, my I guess, I guess, uh, what is it they call, my, they, um, uh, my, my inner conscience. You remember people talking about, you know, the, their, their consciousness. There ain't no such thing. Really, what, what's happened, people have, psychologists have, dug down into a person and found man's spirit. We're spiritual people. Amen? We're spiritual people. And we're translated from darkness to light. But how did that happen? Not because you thought positively, but because you believed, because of what you heard, and you spoke something with your mouth. Put a guard over my lips, Lord. Go with me to the book of Psalms. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. Sorry, chapter, chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. Hallelujah. Is this blessing you? Proverbs chapter 13, look at verse 3. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, 
But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Understand the power of what's it, what, what's he says, what is he saying here? He who keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. Meaning, because if you open it up and speak death, guess what's going to be produced? Death. Why? Because you set that law in motion. The New Living Translation says this. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says? The, the easy to read translation says this. The man who is careful with his words keeps his life safe. But the man who is careless with his words destroys himself. Let me read that to you again. The man who is careful with his words keeps his life safe. But the man who is careless with his Words destroys himself. And how many times have people got careless with their words? Because they get, they get angry. But they don't understand. Out of anger, because you, speak, because you spoke those words, you just set a law in motion. Pastors. You know, I hear pastors all the time. Matter of fact, I was at a church here just a few, a few, um, few, a few weeks ago. I, had, I did a wedding. My son-in-law was with me. I mean, here's a church. I can show you a picture. We did a revival in, we did a revival in this church a number of years ago. And, and the, uh, the, the, had 1,500 people there. Started with 400 people. Three to, three to 400 people. And four weeks later, we had over 1,500 people in the services. Jam-packed every, every night for, for, for four weeks, every night. In the mornings. I mean, it's amazing the people coming out, even in the morning meetings. But I show you a picture of the church now, and there's less than, a, there's less than, there's less than 100 people there. But yet, you spend, some time, you spend some time with the leadership, and guess what? You can understand what's happening. Oh, the church, oh, I don't know why the church is going down. See, they, they, they speak it. There ain't nobody here. Nobody's coming. They, see, understand something. Words are powerful. Words create things. Understand, they're setting in motion. I've tried to tell them, and, and I, think I'm about to, I think I'm starting to get through to them, but, but they set in motion that law. It's, it's the same thing with people. Well, I'll just never have any money. Do you realize what you're saying? You're setting in motion a law. It's the spiritual law. Well, I just never have anything. I mean, every time I get something, something happens and I lose it. No, I mean, people, just every time I'm about ready to get ahead, something happens. I can just never get ahead in life. How many people talk like that? You know, I can just never get ahead in life. Just as soon as I get, just as soon as I get my house, just as soon as I make my payment, then boom, something happens and my car breaks down. And then all my money has to go to my car. And as soon as I get my car fixed, then my wife's car breaks down. As soon as I get my wife's car fixed, then the air conditioner in the house goes out. As soon as I get that fixed, you know, then, then the furnace pump goes out. You know, I mean, no, no, do you realize what you're speaking? You set this motion, you set in law, you set in law, you set in motion this law. No, how about saying what the Bible says? Everywhere I go, I'm blessed. Amen. No, everywhere I go, I'm blessed. I'm the blessed of the Lord. Listen, I'm blessed. I, I, I was blessed when I came to Plant City this morning. Guess what? I'm leaving Plant City blessed. Amen. 
I'm getting on an airplane going back to Roanoke, Virginia for a week. Blessed. I'll leave Roanoke, Virginia and come back to Tampa. Blessed. No, everywhere I go, I'm blessed. Everywhere I go, I'm blessed. Because the Bible says so. I'm blessed when I come in. I'm blessed when I go out. And when I go to the country, I'm blessed. When I go to the city, I'm blessed. Everything I touch is blessed. That's what the Bible says. But why is it that people don't say what the Bible says? But people want to speak, people through fear that understand something. And I say it to you again. Every time you speak, you either give access to the Holy Ghost or you give access to devils. I mean, I've watched people, I mean, I've watched people, I've watched people's health. They're, they're, con, they're constantly sick. But listen to how they talk. I mean, just wait till flu season comes around. No, honestly, wait. Some of you have family members like that. Wait till flu. I don't know. I just, every flu season, I always get the flu. I'm always out of work for two weeks. I always get the flu. No, no, and, and watch their life. Why? Because they set that law in motion. Instead, you know what the Bible says, and what is it, Psalms, I believe it's Psalms 121 or Psalms 127. What's the Bible say? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. If, if it was, if, if saying in our words were not powerful, if, if they didn't mean anything, why is God telling us to say so? Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. Well, what are you supposed to say? If God tells us to say, then what are you supposed to say? What is it we supposed to say? By his stripes we're healed. By his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. By his, listen, I don't, I don't care. I don't care if, the, if, 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 if some virus breaks out in Plant City and they quarantine all of Plant City. It won't affect me. Why? Because I live my life by a spiritual law. What's that spiritual law? I live my life by Romans chapter 8, verse 2. The law of life. Because I'm in Christ Jesus. And because I'm in Christ Jesus, I live the law of life. And I'm free from the law of sin and death. Amen. But guess what? Guess how, guess how I would give access. Because the Bible talks about, you know, there's, there's, there's a spirit of sickness. Now, not all sickness is a spirit, but the Bible does talk about a spirit of infirmity. Okay, how do I give access to that spirit of infirmity? By your mouth. That's why the enemy would put pressure on you. And sometimes it'll be a lying symptom. Sometimes it, all it is is just a lying. It's just a lying symptom. But guess what? That comes so you can open your mouth and say, "Oh, I, oh, I feel. Oh, I got it. Oh, oh my God, I got the flu." No, no. Why? You just opened your mouth and you gave him a door. Because understand, it's just. It's listen. I've been in the healing ministry for for, for thirty years. It's just like, you know, it's, it's one thing to teach people, and, and we do need to teach people how to be healed, because the reality is, I don't care if you're seconds from death, you can be made whole. I don't care if you're seconds from death, you can be healed. I don't care how ravaged your body is with that disease, you can be healed. Because all things are possible to him who what? Thanks positive. <laughs> No, all things are possible to him that believe. Now you got to think right. 
Because the Bible does say, as a man thinketh, so is he. I mean, but why is it? Because as a man thinketh, what does he do? As a result of thinking, he speaks. The Bible doesn't say life and death is in how a man thinks. The Bible says life and death is in his words. Amen? That's why you're looking, you're looking at a very blessed man. And actually, the Lord, the Lord spoke to me a couple years ago and, and, and shared to, I, listen, shared that I've gotten away from some things. And that's why here I've been, I've been just diving into some. Listen, there's so much more I can share with you about this. I mean, when, you know, once you begin to study some things, you begin to realize, my God, I've read the Bible so many times. I've never seen that. You ever been like that? It's just like, I remember my mentor, Dr. Kenneth E. Hagan, one, one time when the Lord spoke to him and shared him something, shared with him about something. And a matter of fact, one of his books is, is he wrote a book called How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. And the Lord said to him, when the Lord appeared to him in 1952 in, in Rockwall, Texas, the Lord said to him, if my people would apply these four things to their life, they could ask the Father for anything and he'd grant it to them. And, 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 and I remember Kenneth Hagin said, well, Lord, I, I, need, I need scripture for this. I need at least three scriptures. And the Lord, he said, the Lord had a little smile. He, he said, I'll, I'll do you one better now. I'll give you four. And the Lord, and the, the Lord, the Lord gave him four scriptures. And, and Kenneth Hagin said, Lord, I, he said, I, here's what he said. He said, I've read the New Testament 150 times. I was up at that time in 1952. He said, I've read the New Testament 152 times and I've never seen that before. And he said, the Lord smiled and said, son, there's a lot in there you've never seen. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. And opening your mouth can ruin everything. Just go to James chapter 3 quickly. James chapter 3. Verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. <laughs> Think about that. Look, look what he said in verse 1. We'll see a greater judgment. Understand, we'll see a greater judgment if we teach people right or wrong. It's important what we teach. Amen? Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we control, listen, for if we could control our tongue, we would perfect and, and, and could also control ourselves in every way. Verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. Verse 4, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. What's he saying here? The, the, the Spirit of God speaking through James is telling us here that our tongue, our tongue is, what does a bit do? Anybody familiar with horses? <clears throat> I mean, what does, what does a bit do? I mean, a bit controls the direction of a horse. 
He's saying, our t- here, you get this mighty thoroughbred. I'm from, listen, I'm from Kentucky. I, I, listen, I, I understand about horsepower. I mean, I understand about horses. I mean, my, my, my stepfather used to live right by, by Churchill Downs. And you go to Churchill Downs and you see these mighty thoroughbreds running. I mean, they're powerful. They're powerful beasts. And they're gorgeous and they're beautiful. But yet, you get this powerful beast. It's controlled by a little bit. And that's the Bible says that our life is our tongue is as a bit. I mean, you take a mighty, sh- you take these mighty cruise liners. You ever been on a cruise? You look, I mean, my wife and I went on a cruise here last two years ago. First cruise I've ever been on. But you look at this massive ship. You look at this massive, massive ship that has thousands of people on it. And it's controlled. The, the rudder on the ship is, is, is it's, it's nothing compared to the size of the ship. And that's what the Bible is saying about our tongue. See, the, 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 your tongue says a bit. Your tongue is, a, is, a, is a, a rudder. It controls your life. Your tongue controls your life. Your tongue determines how you live. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel 35 verse 13. Thus with your mouth you have boasted against me and have multiplied your words against me. I have heard them. The Bible says that God hears what we say. I see it again. Ezekiel 35, 13. Thus with your mouth you have boasted against me and have multiplied your words against me. I have heard them. God's letting us know that he hears what we say. God hears what you say. Listen, God hears what you say. Now, just give me, I'll give you another scripture. Malachi chapter 3. Well, go to Malachi chapter 2. Or you can just write these scriptures down. I'll read them to you. Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord, what? With your words. Malachi 2.17, you have wearied the, the Lord with your words, yet you say, wherein have we wearied him? They didn't even know how they were doing it. Listen, you better know, you better know it's something when God says, you've wearied me with your words. Understand the seriousness of this. You've wearied me with your words. Yet you say, wherein have we wearied him? When you say, every one that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? You question him. They question him with their words. The word weary, listen, the word weary means worn and tired. Understand, the Lord never gets tired and weak, but you can, you can, you can, Tire him out with your words. That's what the Bible says. Meaning he gets tired of hearing it. You're wearing him out with your words. Understand, apparently the Lord gets tired of hearing things. Go with me to Mark chapter 11.
Mark chapter 11, and we'll close. Understand something. Use your words to change things. Use your words to change things. Verse, go to verse, for time's sake here. Go to verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, and happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto them, or said unto it, sorry, and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So here Jesus comes, comes to the fig tree, and he curses the fig tree. Jump down to verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, less than 24 hours. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance saith to him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. So here Jesus understands something. Who is he? Let me ask you a question. Who is the one who cursed the fig tree? The very one who cursed the fig tree is also the very one who created the world with his words. The one who cursed the fig tree is also the very one who was the, who was in who, who spoke from a burning bush to Moses. Go go tell go tell Pharaoh that I am that I am is sent thee. El Shaddai is speaking here. The one who has no beginning, the one who has no end. The Bible says the one who created the stars and the galaxy with his breath. And named each star speaking here and giving us a principle. And he demonstrates, he demonstrates, understand, you have the power to change your life. Just with your words. And here give, the Lord has given us a principle. Understand something. This is not Peter talking. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He demonstrated with his words. He cursed the fig tree less than 24 hours. Peter comes by and they see the, he sees the fig tree cursed, withered up and dried up, dead. And, he, and, he, and he, he reminds the master. He reminds the Lord. And then now the Lord gives us another lesson. He teaches us something. And he says here, look at this in verse 22. He says here in verse in verse 22, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. What is he telling us to do? Have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Then he's going to, listen to me, have the God kind of faith. Everybody say God kind of faith. Because understand, without faith it's impossible to please God. Everything we do, we do by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. How many just people here? Well, all of us are just because we all raised our hands and said we're born again. We're all just. That means we're all righteous. Well, guess what? The word righteous and the word just is the same word. The just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Well, understand something. Jesus is telling us to have the God kind of faith. Well, what is the God kind of faith? He's showing us here how to release faith. Because he says to us in verse 23. Look what he says here in verse 23. For verily I say unto you, 
Now understand who's speaking here. For verily I say unto you that whosoever, who's a whosoever? Who, who, who here is a whosoever? Okay, he's speaking to you. For really I say unto you that whosoever shall what? Shall say. Just every time you see this word say and saith, underline it in your Bible. Circle it, highlight it. Listen to what he says. For really I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. A mountain is something that's impossible for you to remove in the natural. But he says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but listen, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He just said to us, he just cursed a fig tree with his words, he cursed a fig tree by faith. The fig tree dries up. The disciples see it. He gives them a spiritual lesson. He says, have God's faith. Operate in God's faith. Well, here's how God's faith operates. And it's three times he speaks about saying. One time he talks about believing. We got to do three times as much saying as we do believing. But you got to believe. But he says, believe what you say. Believe what you say. Believe what you say. Listen, believe what you say. That's how you was translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Why? Because you believed what you said. You believed with your heart and confessed with your mouth. It's a principle. It's a law. It's a spiritual law. You have the power to change your life with your words. You have the power to change your future with your words. You have, listen, you right now and here's the good, here's the good news. The good news is, is that you're still breathing so you can change it. But where you are now, where you are now, how you live your life now is because of two things. Because you, what you believed, whether it's faith or doubt and what you said. I'll share this with you real close. Have you been blessed? Did you get anything out of this? Yes. I'll, share, I'll share this with you and we're close. I've mentioned my mentor, Dr. Kennedy Hagen. He was my mentor. Incredible man of God. Because we, we know of at least 11 times the Lord Jesus appeared to him. You better know if the Lord Jesus is going to appear to somebody a few times, I'm going to take note and hear what they have to say. <laughs> Amen? Not that he's any more special than you. He's not. But he did give himself to things. Amen. Understand God's no respecter of persons. And, and he, he shared the story. I'm going to share it to you about the law and we're going to close. He shared the story. He shared the story about he went to pray for this man. I'm going to show you the power of words. I'm going to show you the power of words. Understand, put a guard on your mouth. Watch what you say. Because your words will either destroy your life or preserve your life. And he said he went to pray for this man who's dying in the hospital. He's in, he's in, he's in um, 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 the tents of care. He's in a coma. And dying. And he's 41. I found this on the web. For once the price of the Spanish tie in the hospital care. <laughs> <laughs> you devil, come out. How in the heck? Shut up. My, my, 
My iPad's talking back to me. <laughs> my lands. <laughs> Sheesh, my wife talks back to me. Now I got my computer talking back to me. <laughs> oh, my. I can be, my wife's not here. I can be bold. Hallelujah. <laughs> If you want me to buy your lunch today, don't text her. <laughs> and um, so anyway, here's this. So he goes to pray for this, this, this young man. and He's a young man to me. I'm 55. 40, he's 41. I'll be 55. That's young to me. So here's this man. He's in the hospital and he's in a coma. He's dying. And... He goes to pray for him, and as he goes to pray for him, the Lord speaks to him in an audible voice and said, Don't pray for him. You can't do anything. He says, What? So he backs off, and he says, Lord. And here's what the Lord said to him He said, he, There's not enough time to reverse the law that he set in motion. And he began, and so Brother Hagin began to talk to his family. And here's what his family, as he talked, and not just one family member, many of them. You know what they said? And I forget, let's say the guy's name is Joe. That wasn't his name. I'm just, just using that for example. You know what the family member said? Well, you know, Joe always said that he wouldn't live past his 41st birthday. And, he, and they said that, that he spoke that for, for years. That he spoke that for years. I won't live past 41. He spoke. What did he do? He, he set a law in motion. And see, now he's in a coma, and there's not enough time to change it. There's not enough time to reverse the law. How many know who Bruce Lee was? You know, Bruce Lee. How many know Bruce Lee? Do you know what... Do you know what you, you read a biography of, of, of and those who've written about Bruce Lee. Do you know what Bruce Lee used to say? Bruce Lee used to say, I'll not live past 30. He died at 30. Do you know, or 31, sorry. He said, I'll not live past 31. Bruce Lee died at 31. Do you know his son? His son said, I'll be like my dad. I won't, I won't, I won't live past 31. His son died at 31. Wow. Why? Because they set in motion a law. It's a spiritual law. That's why the Bible says, put a guard over your mouth. Because yeah. well, you either destroy your life or preserve your life by what you say. That's why I said a moment ago, even though you've been saying the wrong thing for years, you're, you're here and you're breathing, so you have, you have time to reverse the law. The man couldn't reverse the law because he's in a coma. You can reverse it. Life and death is in your tongue. And we didn't even get into, you know what, next Sunday we get into some more stuff. Amen. Have you been blessed this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word that has gone forth. Lord, I thank you that your word will not return void. And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that those that are here today under the sound of my voice, Lord, I thank you that every individual here, Lord, as your word penetrates the heart because it will not return void. Lord, I thank you that every individual here this morning is a doer of your word. Lord, I thank you that life reigns in this house. Lord, I thank you that sickness and disease is cursed, that poverty is broken off their life, that life is in their life. 
that every individual here lives their life out, runs their race, and finishes their course, and they'll not go home early. Lord, we give you all the glory. Lord, let everything in the name of Jesus, Lord, let, let things be stopped and let things be reversed. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus that everyone here in this house is blessed and everyone in this house is healed. And we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed? Amen. Well, before we release you, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed. Usher is going to come right now. Everybody take an envelope. And this, now this, this goes into to our ministry. Hallelujah. If you're going to make out a check, just make out a check to VOR. That's Voice of Revival. We just abbreviate it, VOR. Hallelujah. <clears throat> if you don't have a check, we'll take credit cards. We take... We take cash, just, but everyone, everyone do something this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We'll wait. Just everybody do something. Would, would it, would just ask the Lord what it is. Just, just pray. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord what it is here to have you give. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, as, I'm, as, I, as, I'm, as I stand here, I'm reminded the last time I was here, I spoke to Pastor Jack, and I remember the Lord said, told him to ask big. Yes. Ask big. Yes. Amen. Ask. I'm saying ask. A-S-K. Ask big. <laughs> ask big. <laughs> ask, ask big. <laughs> I had somebody come up and tell me, no, no, it's my, it's, my, it's my southern draw. I can't help but ask. Ask. Ask big. <laughs> when, I was, when I was in Ukraine in December, I was given an altar call. My interpreter said, what? Because I said, you know, I happen to people, you know, say with me, washed in the blood. What? Washed. Washed in the blood. What's worst? No, we know worst. Worst. I can't say the other one. Washed. 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 You're washed. I can't. Worst. Everybody say worst. There you go. Now you're a southerner. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you ready to, are you ready to sow a seed this morning? Amen. Father, bless every seed that's sowed. We give you all glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, ushers. Praise the Lord. There's some people still writing, so we'll wait. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Some of, some of you, some of you need, need to go and get you right on a piece of paper. I mean, how many believe in God for a new home? Well, you, you'll bring it to pass by how you speak. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many believe in God for a new car? You'll bring it to pass by how you speak. How many believe in God for a spouse? All right, you'll bring it to pass by how you speak. Amen. Be, be sure to speak. If you're, if you're a man believing for a spouse, be sure to speak beautiful wife. If you're a woman, believe in God for a husband. Handsome man. Hallelujah. No, no, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sort of sitting, you know, joking with you, but I'm not actually. Everything is a result. You know, you know, you know people get divorced because they, they set a law in motion. You know, my mama got divorced. My grandmother got blind. No, I get divorced. Well, you, do you realize you set that law in motion? Hallelujah. Amen. 
Are you blessed? Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Does everyone stand? Slip your hands. Father, I thank you for everyone here. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Every sickness and disease is cursed. Every sickness and disease is cursed in the life and the body of those that are here. Lord, I thank you that life reigns. That the life, the Zoe life of God is manifested in everybody in this house. Lord, I thank you that, that the spirit of poverty is broken off their life. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus that every individual here fulfills the purpose that you have for them. And every one of you here have a purpose. God has a purpose. Listen to me. God has a plan for every single one of you. God has a plan. His plan is bigger than what you even understand. Because the Bible says he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ever ask or think. Hallelujah. And so, Father, I, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that life is in this house. And, Lord, and every individual here is blessed. Say this with me. I'm blessed. blessed. I'm blessed coming in. Blessed coming and I'm blessed going out. Blessed. I'm blessed in the city. Blessed. I'm blessed in the field. Blessed. That the Lord has commanded his blessing upon me. And I fulfill the purpose that God has for me. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen? amen. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday morning, 1030. Amen? God bless you.